Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, so turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. If you need a Bible, there's one right over there. Molly will grab it for you. Give it to you. Yeah, we've got a couple more raising their hands for Bibles. Um, we were, I was planning on doing 52 verses today, um, but this morning I still barely have my voice, and so we're going to cut it short, we're going to do 16 verses, and then next week we're actually going to come back and start, so we're going to go one verses 1 through 16 today, and then next week we're going to come back and do 14 uh, through, I don't know if we'll go all the way through the end still, but 14 through something, um, because basically I'm, we're looking today at... The fear of God versus the fear of man. And the reason we're going... <clears throat> so verse 16 kind of starts Jesus' teaching, which we'll talk about in a minute. But what he says in verse 16, um, it shows his fear of God rather than fear of man. And so that's why we're going through verse 16, but then we're going to go back and start at verse 14 so we can go through all of his teaching um, next week. So we're not really going to look at his teaching today. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, basically the fear of God versus fear of man. So let's look at um, verses 1 through 16. We'll read it. And we'll get going after that. It says, After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, uh, the feast of the booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things to show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to the feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking uh, him at the feast, saying, Where is he? And there was much grumbling among the crowd concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now in the midst of the feast, of, uh, in the midst of the feast, or like in the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews were astonished, saying, How did this man become learned? having never been educated. So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but it is His who sent me. 
All right, so there's been many times in my life, uh, and probably in yours, when you've been afraid, right? And uh, the, I, I can think of times, like, back through my life when I've, like, been scared or something. Like, one, there's just one time, one in particular, but several times, like, when I've been hunting. And when you go hunt deer hunting, you got to get up early, and it's dark, and you got to walk out to your stand in the dark. And there's just one time I, I was going hunting, and a few nights before, I'd seen a mountain lion. I know you guys don't probably don't believe me, but I'd seen a mountain lion in Kansas, okay? And I'm not the only one. There's lots of people that have seen them roaming in Kansas because they say they roam a long way, especially young males. And so, anyway, I saw a mountain lion, like, I can't remember if it was, like, a week or before, a week before this or something, but I was, like, up at, like, 5 o'clock, and I was walking in the dark, and there's this spot out at our farm which maybe you guys went there, maybe you guys didn't, I don't know, but it's like this trail and there's trees on both sides that come like almost up and over. It's on, not quite, but it's almost like a tunnel <coughs> that you have to walk through for like maybe 100 yards or 150 yards. And I had to walk through that to get to my stand. And obviously under those trees, even the moonlight and the stars, like they, it's like really dark, like there's no light in there. And, you know, it's thick brush on both sides. So you're like, you don't know what's in there. So I'm like walking through and I'm like scared. So I remember times like that. I remember times like... Um, being in a hotel room or something, even as an adult, uh, and you're by yourself, and there's no one around, and, like, it can get a little scary sometimes. Uh, there's one time, though, that <clears throat> I thought I would share about uh, when I was I was scared. Right? And this one, I actually, I actually woke up scared. Okay? I woke up, like, and my heart was, like, beating and pounding fast. Okay? And it was the first year we ever did uh, senior camp. Okay? So a couple of you guys in here were there. I think Zayden and Molly... Or maybe there, Wiley was not there. No, first year we did senior camp. Um, but anyway, we did senior camp at this place, and this place that we did senior camp, like there's a bunch of other campers and a bunch of other youth groups there. Okay, and so me and Haley and Pike was like an infant, and we took him, and then we took all of our kids, and we had some other leaders, and the leaders stayed in like these dorm style rooms where like. It was the leader and like three kids and then the leader and three kids and like kind of like that. But me and Haley with Pike stayed in a hotel room or a hotel style room. It wasn't a hotel, but it was just something on camp. And so first night goes or whatever, second night. Um, and I think it was, I can't remember if it was the third night or, or something, but we were, we went to bed and in our hotel style room, there's, there's like one bed in the middle and then there's like a little door for the bathroom. Okay. Just like a hotel. And then there's a window at the end of our room, basically, that sees out into, like, uh, just the, I don't know what it was, maybe a road or something. And so uh, we're asleep, and I wake up because I hear something. And I heard, like, some sort of, like, it was kind of like a screeching noise, like, kind of like that. And I wake up, and, you know, I'm paranoid already because I'm in a place that I, I don't know very well. It's a new place. It's everything. And this is the first time I've ever taken... Stillwater Bible to, to camp, you know, and so everything's making me nervous. So I wake up really quick, and I look over, and someone's coming through the window of our hotel room. It was, it, and he, I said, I like yelled at him. I'm not going to yell right now because I can't yell very good, but I yelled at him, or her, I think it was him though, and he jumped out the window and ran away, and I ran over to the window and looked out, and <clears throat> I tried to lock the window, and the window didn't lock. And so, like, I had to find, like, this bar and, like, try and, like, you know, bar it shut. But that was scary. Like, I woke up, like, scared. And I saw that guy, and, like, I, I freaked out. Like, I was scared. And I was scared. I couldn't go back to sleep for a while because someone's sneaking in my window, right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it was hard to go back to sleep.
But fear is a powerful thing. And we're all afraid of stuff at some times. And, and, you know, that's all right. And we need to find our trust in God. But one thing that we should never allow fear to do is cause us to do wrong. And many times the fear of man causes us to do wrong. Okay? And we're going to see in this, in this first 16 verses um, that there are people in here who are allowing the fear of man to change what they do. Okay? So let's look at verse 1 again uh, before we look at the exchange between the brothers. Verse 1 says, because this kind of connects it to chapter 6. It says, after these things. Okay, so we just got done with talking about chapter 6, right? Jesus had been talking. He was in um, Judea area, and he had been teaching and doing all this stuff. And it was a long chapter 6 of Jesus teaching. And it says, after these things. Right now, if we just take verse 1, we don't know how long after. But it's after, sometime after that, he was walking in Galilee. So now he's going back north. Remember, I'm, I didn't have a map here, but let's see. Remember where what he's been doing. We, John talks a lot about Jesus in Judea area, okay, Jerusalem. That's like where Jerusalem and stuff is. So, you know, I'm I'm really bad at this, but okay, we're gonna say like Dead Sea or whatever. Then there's a river. There's the Sea of Galilee. So this region up here is like Galilee, you know, and you have like Judea area. Well, not over there, but Judea area over here. So like he he was out here. Sometimes he was injured. This is Jerusalem. So he's in Jerusalem a lot. I remember we've seen John talks about him traveling up and up and down from in here, but almost everything he does is here. Like Pool of Bethesda, when he healed that guy, and when he talked in John chapter six, he was down here. Um, uh, he we saw a little bit of him right in here, right in Samaria, when he talked to the woman at the well. Uh, but it says after these things, he was up here again, walking around. Okay, so he did. Um, if you actually look at it, he did several, they call them like Galilean tours, is what they call them. I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but Galilean tours. And so he's up there in Galilee for a while. And when actually we know how long, uh, and we'll see that in, in verse 2. But he's now up here, okay, up near his, what you might say, his hometown. Okay, look at verse 2. Uh, verse 2 starts this exchange with his brothers, okay? It says, now the feast of the Jews is near, the feast of booths. Okay? Now, because it's the feast of booths, we actually know how long Jesus was up in Galilee before he came back down. Because does anybody remember what feast was near um, in chapter 6? Uh, I think it just said that the feast of the Jews. I don't know if it, my, my version doesn't say feast of booths, so it may or may not. 6-4 in my Bible is now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews. Oh, yeah. Passover. And I, take, I, just, I just told you guys that he was down here in chapter 6 and he wasn't. I don't know what I was thinking. He was up there in chapter 6. But anyway, yeah, so it was a Feast of uh, Passover was near. Okay, so the Feast of Passover, remember we talked about how it was a spring Passover? Or, I mean, it's a spring um, feast and how the grass probably was green. Remember we talked about that? Okay, well, this... The Feast of Booths is a fall feast, and it's actually after the um, harvest of olives and grapes. Okay, and so this is Leviticus. This is uh, Leviticus 23. It's about the uh, Feast of Booths. It says, You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths, so that the generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booze when I brought them out from Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this is a seven-day feast or festival that the Jews celebrated to remind them 
that they live basically in tents and booths out in the wilderness, and God brought them through all that. Okay, and so like I said, this was at the end of where the harvesting of olives and grapes were. Okay, these are olives, but um, those two crops were very important to Israel. Like they were like, and they're very, they're very like rich crops, right? They're like they're not like barley and wheat. Like they're kind of like luxurious crops, and so they're like. And they're worth a lot of money, uh, especially back then, but they're worth a lot of money now. And even if you go through the Bible and anything during that time, you can see that olive oil was worth a lot of money, right? And wine was uh, something that was considered, like, you know, luxurious, if you will. And so these were, uh, these were very important crops. And so I, I don't know if uh, this is why or not, but it seems pretty, pretty reasonable that God would have this, this festival after the bringing in of these great crops or harvests, after bringing these in, he would have a, a festival to remind them of where he brought them out of, right? Because according to the, um, the covenant of Moses, right, God said, hey, if you obey me, you're going to prosper, okay? Why were they wandering around in the wilderness so long? Well, yeah, because remember they sent the 12 spies in and 10 of them came back and said, we can't do this, right? So then they had to wander for 40 years and they had to live in tents those whole time, that whole time. And so God, I think, I mean, I don't know, I can't tell you what God's doing, but it seems pretty reasonable that and pretty cool that the Feast of Booze would be after this great harvest to remind them that God is the one who's giving them the, the, the harvest, right? Because the covenant was, you obey, I'll give you the food. I will provide for you. I will make you plentiful. I will make your land bountiful. Right? That's the promise that God had to Israel. And so then they have this booth to remind them where they came from and how God brought them there so that when they're in their plenty, in their time of plenty, they won't say, get prideful and say, hey, I'm the one who provided this for myself, which is what Moses warned them about in Deuteronomy. Okay? And so uh, this is the Feast of Booth. This is what's going on. This is what's about to happen here. And his brothers, but he's still up in Galilee. Okay, this feast, they're going to travel down um, to Judea to celebrate this feast. And look at verse 3. It says, Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works, for which you're doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things to show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Okay, so his brothers are basically come to him, and they say, "Hey, Jesus, if you're seeking to be known, you need to go down into Judea and make yourself known. You need to go down publicly, and you need to perform great works, so that your disciples can know, you know, that you are who you say you are." Now they don't believe in him, so I think they're mocking him a little bit here. Okay, I think they're saying, "If you're so good, if you're so great, why don't you go down there?" And present yourself, and maybe they're saying present yourself as the Messiah, you know, or the King, or whatever. You know, I don't know what they're saying, but go down and present yourself publicly. Make yourself known to the disciples and do your great works in front of them down down there publicly. Why don't you do that, Jesus? Like I said, I think this is a, a mockery a little bit. And the key, I think, for this is they wanted him to go down publicly. Okay, saying go down publicly if you're so special. Go down publicly if you're so special. I think of like. Remember when Jesus came riding in on the donkey and they had all the uh, palm branches and all that? I, I don't imagine that exact thing is what their brothers 
or his brothers were wanting him to do because they obviously didn't you know, know about the donkey. But I think that's kind of the idea they're saying. Like, go down and make your entrance. Okay? But Jesus, you know, we'll see in a second, he doesn't do that because it's not what the Father's calling him to do right now. But they want him to go down publicly. Okay? They want him to go down publicly uh, because they didn't believe in him. And so I think they're kind of mocking him and saying that. So Jesus' reply, let's look at it in verse 6. Verse 6 says, So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves, and do not go up to this feast. I do not go up to this feast, because my time is not fully come. Okay, And so Jesus answers them, and he says, Hey, my time's not here, but your time is always opportune. Now, there are several sayings in John that say, um, My time has not yet come. Or actually, it's my hour has not yet come. And this is not the same as that. This is a different word for time uh, in the Greek. And so um, I think he's just saying, like, my time to go to the feast is not here. He's just saying, like, it's not time for me to go to the feast. And I kind of think he's saying my time to go to the feast, my time to go publicly to the feast is not here. Okay, I kind of think that. Because he ends up going to the feast. And some people use this, a lot of people actually use this, to say Jesus lied, and so he's sinful. Okay, and we'll look at it. But I think that um, I think he's saying my time is to not go publicly, and he's saying to them. He said to them, "Your time is always opportune. You can do whatever you want." Okay, and I think that goes along with verse seven. Look at it. He says, "The world cannot hate you." Okay. Now, did Jesus ever say the disciples would be hated by the world? Yeah, he did. Right. But his brothers don't believe in him. Not only are they not disciples, but they don't even believe in him at this point. Okay, and so I think what he's saying here is you do you can do whatever you want. You can go down there right now because you're you're not you're not uh, you're not having to do the will of the Father. You're doing your own will, and you can go whenever you want. And the world's not going to hate you. And we're going to see in a second the Jews are going are trying to kill Jesus, right? And so that's part of the reason he's saying this. But the world the world's not hating you, okay? Because you're, you don't have the same message that I have right at this point. Uh, you don't even believe in me. And two of his brothers do, at least two of his brothers do end up believing in him, but then not yet. Okay? But the world does hate him, Jesus, me, because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. He's saying the world hates him, but the world don't hate them yet. Okay? Because they don't even believe. So he says, you go up to the feast. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Okay, and that word yet is in some translations, and it's not in some translations. Um, and some people say, well, that yet has to be there because he's saying, I'm not going yet, but I'm going to go soon. So that way he's not lying. But I think he's talking about going publicly because we're going to see in verse 9 and 10 that he, he doesn't go publicly to this feast. And people don't even know he's there for the first several days of the feast. Okay, and so... He's saying, I think, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not, my time is not to go to this feast publicly yet. Okay, I'm not going to present myself in, in a public way as the Messiah or as a king or anything like that. Okay, Jesus is doing the Father's will and it's not time uh, for him to go to the feast publicly. I don't know why it says God. It's not time for him to go to the feast publicly yet because of the Father's will. Hey, look at verse 9. It says, Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So Jesus does end up going to the feast, and he ends up going in secret rather than publicly. Okay, So he goes to the feast, 
after his brothers go. He stays in Galilee for a little while. We don't know how long. But then he ends up going to the feast, and he does it in secret. Okay? So he stayed, then he went in private to this feast. And we're going to see in a little bit, um, several days into this feast is when he starts actually teaching. Okay, verse 11. We're going to look at the people's fear now. Okay, the people's fear. Now, it says in verse 11, So the Jews were seeking to kill him at the feast, and were saying, sorry, seeking to kill him, it doesn't say that. The Jews were seeking him at the feast, and were saying, Where is he? Okay, so the Jews were seeking him, they were looking for him, and there was much grumbling from the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man, and others were saying, No, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him, for fear of the Jews, okay? Now, when it's talking about the Jews here, it's talking about the religious leaders, okay? Because um, the Feast of Booths, all these people, for the, for the most part, most of them are going to be Jews. But the Jews here, I think almost all, always in chapter 7, are the uh, Jewish leaders. But it's basically saying that um, they're seeking him, they can't find him, he's nowhere to be found, and there's like these two different parties. One say he's a good man, and one says, no, he's a bad man. He's a good man. He's a bad man. But no one they were all whispering about him. Like no one was speaking openly or publicly about him because they were scared of the Jews. They were scared of the religious leaders. Okay? And um, I, I think at this point, Jesus, we'll see later on, I think next week, Jesus knows these guys are trying to kill him. Okay? And um, I think some of these people probably knew that Jesus was in trouble with the leaders too. Okay? And so they weren't speaking openly, and I think this shows a fear of man. Okay? They, weren't, they weren't even speaking openly about him. And these people, um, they were scared of what the Jewish leaders would do to them. Maybe they, you know, they don't, I don't know what they would have done to them. They may have um, you know, kind of ostracized them a little bit. They may have actually punished them in some way, but they were scared of these, these Jewish leaders. Okay? And so because they were scared of them, they wouldn't even talk about Jesus openly or in public. Okay, they won't even talk about him. Okay, and we're going to see uh, here in a minute, there's some people who believe in him, but they won't talk about him in public either. Okay, so fear of man is keeping some people from believing, I think, in this passage. It's keeping others from actually following and doing right. Okay, Matthew 10.28 is a passage I think about. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Okay, and I like this verse um, because it shows us like it distinguishes between the power of God and the power of man and the authority of God and the authority of man. It's like we fear people, but ultimately people are so much less powerful than God. If we're going to fear someone, God would be the one to fear, not man. Like, would you rather be disciplined by God or disciplined by your dad or your mom? You know what I mean? Would you rather, like God is just so much more powerful than people, and yet we fear people so much more than God a lot of times. Um, and so this is, this is another good one on fear. Proverbs 1 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay? We should um, count God as more powerful. We should think of uh, his will as more important than the will of man. Okay? We should respect him more than we respect man. Okay? His will should always come before the will of man um, in our life. Okay? And I think that. A lot of times we don't do that. Okay, if we go on to John chapter twelve, this is talking about some of the religious leaders. Okay, it says, "Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him." Okay, so there's there's people there's believers, some people that have believed in Jesus as Messiah, 
But because of the Pharisees, that's the Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, because of them, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. They were scared of what man was going to do to them. They were scared of losing their reputation. They were scared of losing um, their standing before men. Therefore, they would not tell, even tell people that they believed in Jesus. Okay? So fear was causing them to do something they shouldn't do or, or not do something they should do. Okay? And I think that's what these people are doing as well. It says they're not even willing to speak openly about him at all um, because of that. Fear of man keeps us from serving God. Okay? Fear of man keeps us from serving God. And we should not, never allow fear of man to keep us from serving God. So the question is, what does fear of man keep you from doing that you should be doing? Okay, for me, most of the time it's evangelism. Okay, I'm scared of what my neighbor or the guy that the Holy Spirit prompts me to talk to about spiritual things, I'm scared that he's going to, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm scared of. Like, I'm just scared. And so I don't do that. I don't witness or I don't share the gospel or whatever. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm scared of what somebody might think. This sounds really weird. But I'm scared of what somebody might think if I encourage them. Okay, I'm really, I'm really bad at like, I have to work really hard to like say encouraging things to people. It doesn't come naturally to me. And I'm scared that, I don't know why, but I'm scared of what people will think if I like <coughs> say, man, you did such a good job at that. I, I don't know why, but that, it scares me sometimes. It scares me of what they're going to think of me. And I don't know why. And sometimes that keeps me from doing what I should be doing. Okay, which is encouraging and building people up. Okay, I'm just, I'm just not good at that, and so it, it scares me. Okay, we should never allow the fear of man to keep us from serving God. Okay, and Jesus doesn't do that. Look at verses 14 uh, through 16. It says, but when, but when it was now in the middle of the feast, or in the midst of the feast, Jesus went into the temple and began to teach. Okay, so it's been, so how long is the feast of booths? It's seven days. Right, so sometime in the middle there is before he ever starts teaching. Okay, so he's not coming publicly. He's not making this grand entrance at the start of the feast. He waits till the middle of the feast before he even starts teaching. Um, and I don't know if he waited to the middle of the feast to even go down, or if he went down because it's a it's a feast of booths. So they're like all out in these tents, right? They're not in the city uh, necessarily. They're all kind of out in these tents or these shelters that they build. So it might be in in this particular feast. Um, it might be a little bit easier to kind of stay away from people and kind of be more private, right? And so I don't know if he's been there the whole time and then he teaches or uh, if he comes down and starts teaching in the middle of the feast. But he, start, he doesn't teach right away. That's what we know. Okay, and the Jews were astonished, saying, how can this man become, uh, or how has this man become learned, having never been educated? So basically they're saying, how does this guy know so much stuff if he was never educated? And what they mean by educated is they didn't, he didn't have their education. He didn't have the education of the Pharisees or the Sadducees, right? Obviously, we know how he knows all this stuff. It's from, uh, it's because he's God, right? And so they were astonished by his teaching. So Jesus said to them, and this is the last verse we're going to do, okay? Jesus says to them, my teaching is not mine, but it is him who sent me. Okay, it is him who sent me. And that word teaching or doctrine in some of your Bibles, that word means instruction. Okay, it means instruction. So my instruction is not mine, but it is him who sent me. Okay, and the reason I want to share this verse or stop at this verse is because Jesus is saying, 
I don't do what you guys want me to do. I don't do what I want to do. I do what God wants me to do. And that shows the fear of the Lord. Okay? He is the Lord. He is God. It's just a little, I don't, I don't even know about that. But uh, Jesus, He wants to do the will of the Father. That is His ultimate goal. And He doesn't care what man thinks. Okay? He doesn't care about what man thinks. He doesn't care what His brothers think. He doesn't care what the Pharisees think. All He cares about is doing the will of the Father. Okay? And, and when I mean He doesn't care what they think, He doesn't care that they think that His truth and the truth that He's teaching is wrong. Right? Because He's proclaiming that He is God and He is the Messiah and the Jews hate Him for it and they think it's wrong and His brothers don't believe it so they think He's wrong but He doesn't care that they think He's wrong. Okay? They don't care. or I mean, He doesn't care because He knows what He's saying is right. He knows it's the truth. It's the Word of God. And so he cares about what God thinks. He doesn't care about what man thinks. Um, and so he's not fearing man, he's fearing God. He doesn't allow the fear of man. He doesn't allow the fear of man to um, cause him to do wrong. He doesn't allow the fear of man to change um, what he's doing or to make him not do the right things that he's going to do. <laughs> okay? So, wrap it up. Okay? Jesus never doesn't do right. That's a double negative, but it's not in Greek, it's in English. So, Jesus never doesn't do right because of man's opinion of him. He always does what's right regardless of man's opinion of him. If we're to imitate God, okay, we should not allow the fear of man to cause us to sin. Because if we're going to imitate God, we look at who to see that and how we should do it. Jesus, right? And he doesn't allow the fear of man to change what he's doing or change how he's um, doing things. He's not worried about what people think or what they think. Because he's uh, because they go against God's word, he just wants um, to do the will of the Father. So, I want to look at one more passage of scripture, and then we'll be done. Okay, this is Psalm one. We looked at it um, at the camp out this weekend, but this whole thing, and I think that this shows us. I think this is kind of a good picture of us wanting, desiring to please God, and desiring to put God first in our life, rather than following what men desires us to do. Or being afraid and giving in to to man, it says, "Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay? Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the ways of man, but the one who delights in the law of the Lord. We should be delighting in what God has for us to do. We should be delighting in the Word of God. We should be doing what God has for us. We should be like Jesus and say, what I mean, he's saying his instruction, but we should say, you know, what I do isn't based on what man is pressuring me to do. And that's something we see throughout all of Jesus' ministry. He never allows man, the pressure of man to change what he's doing. He always says, no, this is what the Father has for me to do, and so I'm going to do it that way. Right? And that's how we should be as well. Here's what God has, says in his word. This is what God says I should be doing. Therefore, that is what I'm going to do regardless of how man pressures me to do something else. Okay? And so I think that's that's something we, we can apply, something we can take home. 
um, from this example that Jesus gives for us, okay? All right, let's pray. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.